DEI test with Eric and Brady. We've got uh, another fabulous guest today. Uh, we're going to talk about sports from a little bit different perspective with me as a photographer, Brady as a writer. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Uh, welcome to the eye test with Eric and Brady. It's going to be the the uh, only sports talk show that I know of that's got a photographer up front giving their perspective on the game, which will be something completely new, hopefully, for everybody. And uh, so we'll go from there. Um, you know, as, as a photographer, you know, I, I think I have a different perspective because I'm, like, the only one, especially on our staff and probably most staffs, that's actually on the sidelines, in the heat, in the cold, in the rain, in the snow, um, and 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 physically has a different perspective because I'm at eye level with everybody, and also um, there there's there's a certain amount of empathy that goes along with working in the same environment. Yeah. Right. When it's hot, oh, frick, it's hot. Yeah. And when it's cold, and your fingers don't want to work, if I can't make my fin- one finger work on the button the way I want to, I can't imagine catching a football. Yeah. Or trying to throw a football, so I have a certain amount of empathy there. Plus, I see things differently, um, just by nature of what I do. Um, I see I'm looking for interpersonal reactions within with, between people and moments, and some of the emotions there that that maybe a lot of people don't see um, when they're either in the press box or on the TV and they're seeing that the big wide shot. They don't see. They don't always see some of those details that uh, hopefully I can offer a different perspective on that. And then we got Brady, who's the new guy at the magazine, yeah. um, who uh, fits in with our vibe really well. And we've had some good discussions on the road this year. So it uh, seemed like a good opportunity and a good back and forth to get something going here on a podcast. Yeah. And I, I look at things a little bit, a couple stories up from the press box most of the time, but like you, I like to be down on the sidelines as much as possible. Um, and in addition to all the things that you see throughout a game, you can also feel how different things are at on. And that's not a small. Level. That's not a small thing. Because um, especially in like Nebraska's press box, that's like a hermetically sealed box where you can, can't hardly hear anything. It's. 69 degrees, 70 degrees in there. It, it right? gets drafty by the windows. <laughs> it doesn't get drafty in there. Don't give me that. Um, so, yeah, you feeling the environment and feeling the energy of the crowd, um, it, it change, it, it's got to change the perspective on, on, on what you're witnessing. Plus the fact that, uh, you know, like we've talked about, you know, um, I don't get, I don't always get caught up in the statistics. Right. I like to look at things as, as, you know, like the name of the show, does it pass the eye test? What do you, what does it look like? Right. Does it statistics aside, does it look like football? Does it look like basketball? Does it look like baseball? Um, and that doesn't always show in the, in the stats. Like, like we talked about um, in preparing for the show, you know, we, there were examples like uh, the Purdue game. Yeah. You know, if you were to look at that stat sheet, you'd think Nebraska lost that thing by, by three touchdowns when in reality like you said you know Purdue wound up having to go for it on fourth down just so they didn't give the ball back to Nebraska with a couple minutes left yeah and uh that's you know that 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 looked more like football yeah not and not all not all 24 14 games or 24 17 games are created equal sometimes there's little minutiae and things that you miss 
by just looking at the box score. Right. So that that's some perspective we're hoping to to have in this show. Um, all right. So we got uh, we got Steve Warren here with uh, Brady and I have Steve here, and uh, I've known Steve for we're going on fifteen years now. Plus, go back to the college days. Well, I meant like in a like in a like a, no a real no, friendship like relationship. Friendship, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a so was it you that somebody was asking me. Um, not too long ago, how did you meet Steve? And I was like, I got this message through Facebook from this <laughs> from this guy that was looking for a, some picture I shot of him in like 1996 or some <laughs> shit. And I'm like, oh god, that's buried in a box somewhere <laughs> if I still have it. But then, and it went from there, and we've developed a good friendship. And so, when it was time Absolutely. to do time to do our podcast, Steve was number one on the list. So, I like being a first round pick. Yeah, that's nice. That's true. I hadn't thought about it like it. That's what, nice. What round were you? Third. You were third round pick. Yep, third. You went at Green Bay. Yep, Green Bay. And you played all your years at Green Bay. <clears throat> I played all my years at Green Bay, and then played two um, professional years in arena for Arizona and San Jose. Arizona being my last stop. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you graduated. Was it? Or were you ninety seven or ninety eight? Uh, I was ninety six class. You left graduated in 96? No, left in high school, 96 okay, class, that's and why left that. in 99. So I you made it to 99, all right. Yep, yep, so 2000 draft class. Okay, awesome. All right, well, um, I wanted to, one of the things I wanted to talk about, talk to you about was, um, like we were we were just talking in, in pre-show here a little bit, was talk about the ideas between, like the, there's been a lot of debate and like I was talking to, we were talking the other day out there. Um, I think we were talking with Tony about like, like the importance of the head coach versus the assistant coaches, mm-hmm. because the assistant coaches, the ones that do the day in and day out grind yeah. of coaching and, and, and the difference between, between recruiting and development. Cause everybody seems the easy answer for everybody is to say, Oh, they need to recruit better talent. Yeah. And I've been of the mindset lately that, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. They've got the talent. They have the bodies. Maybe they don't have enough bodies, and that's a different discussion, depth. But but I've been of the mindset that, no, they have the bo- they have good bodies. They have good recruits. Like, every recruiting service in the in the country didn't get it wrong on these guys. I, just, I was of the mindset they're just not getting – they're not getting developed in the off season mm-hmm. with with things that 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 we, we've talked about before. But also, I'm interested in to hear your opinion on like some of this. Like everybody focuses on the offensive and defensive line now, which you have a lot of experience with. Um, like some of the the technique things that people mm. don't they don't see. Yeah, they don't see that you're watching on TV. You don't see the first step, but you do, mm-hmm. right? You and Vers and the guy you guys. I listen. Yeah. You guys talk about it all the time. You know, that first step, hand placement, mm-hmm. all of those Leverage. little, all those little things that make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, most of it is, you know, that stuff that you, once you get into the season, that's stuff that you work on like weekly adjustments. Um, but, you know, your, your basic technique and basic fundamentals, those are the things that you're really working on during the spring. And once you get to the season, you know, you have to continually work on those things. Um, but it's something that has to be developed throughout time. And it's not easy, you know, playing O-line or D-line. You know, they're very difficult positions to play, whether it's three technique or defensive end or rush end or, or uh, defensive tackle. Um, they're very technical positions. And then on the offensive side, you know, there's 
you know, combo blocks and, and, you know, the right leverage and getting to the second level and pulling and how to pull. And, um, you know, and every coach has got a different philosophy um, on those things. You know, some guys like to skip pull. Some guys like to traditionally pull the way, you know, just step back and go. But um, those are things that have to be developed um, through the spring and through those hard reps in the spring. And then something that we did, um, you know, that that I'm assuming that that most good coaches do that not every step of career I've been in is you know you have a lot of individual time at each practice so um, every practice you're you're again going back to those basics um, film study is is really where you're you're working on you know what the team is doing and what their tendencies are um, and then when you get in your team reps you're getting those things but that individual time is spent a lot of time on those basic fundamentals and then the things you're going to be doing in the game that are going to be important as far as scheme goes but um, I think most of it right now is what I see with these guys is that they're they're still trying to figure out what it is to compete. And like you said, they don't it's not like they don't have the bodies or they don't have the talent. Um they haven't really been put in situations I feel like either that's through practice or through competition in practice or through competition in their individual battles um to be ready for games. Um, and we were always, and I've always, when I coached, wanted to have practice harder than games. Um, and it seems like games are harder than practice for these guys, which is difficult to be a winning team mm-hmm. when the games are more difficult than practice. Um, you know, those things have to be uh, done in practice, and you have to be put in stressful situations. So when you get into the game, um, you're used to those situations happening, and you know how to respond to them. So uh, those technique battles, those individual battles um, – they they've got some work to do, but uh, like you said, they're not they're not lacking talent. What do you think um, the lacking reps? What, I feel like yeah. competitive reps. What do you think the difference is between between what Bill Bush has got going and what Schnander was doing? Um, because it's obvious. I mean, I would you know was I saw well I saw after the game yeah. your 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 tweets your your live tweets during the game that you were seeing it. Yeah. These guys, they have a different energy. They're, yeah. they're flying to the ball. They're rallying to the ball. You know, more than one guy is showing up at the ball carrier. Um, what, what did, what is Bill doing differently than what Chander was doing? I think he simplified it. I think, I think more than anything else is you don't, you don't see guys, you know, getting lost in space. And a lot of times when you're watching a game and you see a kid kind of like freeze, like he's there, but he's not there. Like, means he's thinking right not reacting um so i feel like now they're able to react a little bit faster because he's simplified the scheme some so now they're not thinking as much about adjustments and checks and um you know assignments and and making things too difficult for again 18 19 year old kids that in all reality high school football doesn't most high school football programs aren't preparing you for college football um you know, high school football is, is preparing you for learning how to love the game and be a part of the game, but it's not preparing you for a college playbook. And then college playbooks sometimes don't prepare you for NFL playbooks, right? right? So depending on who the coach is and who the staff is. So the best thing that you can always do as a coach is keep it simple um, because kids, you know, they need to be able to react. If they're not reacting, they're not playing. If they're not playing hard, they're not playing fast. If you're not playing fast, you're not making plays. Um, and I think you saw that in the game, like in the first game, uh, in the first drive I was able to, I was in Des Moines watching my son play football and we were able to get to the sports bar in time. But, um, 
you know, that first scoring on on the mess for uh, for Illinois on the mess route. Um, there were kids in the area, but they just reacted so late. Right. And then they couldn't catch you. Right. So they couldn't catch you. And they were outflanked, and then it was over by that point. But there were kids there. But then, as the half went on, you saw that they were, you know, playing a little bit faster and thinking a little bit less. So. I think that's what he's done best is just just take the thinking part process out of it and just go play ball. And is it just me or does it – I don't know what you've seen, Brady, but is it just me or do they also appear to be, like, more physical, hitting harder? Yeah, well, it stood out to me, I'd, and not, not to say that they didn't do this before, but with Rutgers. Um, Rutgers is opening touchdown, former Husker Noah Vedral pulls it, great pull, great fake, gets opening and gets in the end zone. But he's tackled at the goal line. He scores. But he's tackled at the goal line by Stephen Wynn Jr., a defensive tackle who's mm-hmm. running 23 yards downfield to catch mm-hmm. up to this quarterback. And, yeah, he gets in. But to see a defensive tackle track that play and run it down like that, it showed that there's no shortage of desire and no shortage of quit and that they are going to continue to just go at teams mm-hmm. and that they are, they've got that desire. And, and to your point, Steve, simplification allows these guys to be athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one thing Mickey Joseph has said a lot of times during the week is they don't want um, machines. They don't want just, they don't want to coach the athlete out of these kids. Yeah. And you're, and you're seeing that now with the simplification comes the lack of hesitancy. Guys are actually committing to tackles or committing to filling in a gap because they're not, you know, second guessing themselves to see if well, am I supposed to be here or here because at that point and Eric we talked about this at that point you miss both opportunities yeah, right. by missing that step and it's it's become apparent sometimes like against Illinois um, you just kind of you miss one thing here or there you get the mesh route you get picked and then you know what what can you do really about that uh, second half they looked assured like they have looked assured in most of the second half since Bill Bush took over it's there's a tangible feel to it. I think the players are responding to it because if nothing else, change helped. The guys recognize that what they had before wasn't working. They bring in a guy that's more coachable, wants to be hard on them, is willing to coach them up and get the best out of them in that way. And it's been pretty evident over the course of the first month of the season versus the second month of the season that they're really responding to that. I know one there. thing that struck me on, on Saturday was that um, – was that in the first half? It's all kind of blurring on me now. Um, when they tried to throw that um, that swing pass and Buford was it Buford that was there and laid a big hit on the guy and mm-hmm. he didn't yeah. actually go down. Yeah, but I was like, man, I hadn't seen a defensive back lay the wood to somebody in a while. Yeah, and granted, he he didn't go, but he he laid the wood to him, knocked him back three or four yeah. yards, and then finished it off, and then it reengaged. And then there were two or three other people right there. Yeah. I was impressed at how they ran to the ball um, in the first half. I felt like, you know, Thompson going out definitely hurt. And, um, it's always funny to me that <laughs> fans always say, put this guy in, put that guy in. But as a coach and as a former coach, you always know why you're not playing a kid, right? right. You know what their limitations are. You know what they're good at. You know what they're not good at. Not to say that those backup quarterbacks aren't good players. They're not the best player for this team and the way it's built right now. If they were, they'd be in the game. Right. Um, there's no, you know, at this level, there's no, especially for Mickey and those guys, there's no political agenda of playing one guy or another. You've got to play the best players. And right. I think we've seen that too since he's came over. We see new faces out on the field that we haven't seen. We see guys getting chances that we haven't seen. Um, we see guys get less chances um, and guys get pulled out 
of the lineup, and we haven't really seen I was, that. I was speculating with Brady a little bit earlier about why why we didn't see more Logan, and the first thought that came to my mind, I don't know, I have no I have no insight whether or not this is true, but that the first thing that jumped into my mind is that Whipple does not know how to call that game. Well, yeah, that – I not, mean, we, not Logan's game system. is going to be comp- – QB Logan, run. Scott would probably be able to call yeah. Logan's game really well. QB run. A lot right. of QB run, a lot of, a but lot Whipple of has no, Whipple has no feel or, no. or history with that kind of. So, of course, you know, at halftime, you have, the, com- you have the conversations to go, well, this guy fits my play sheet better. Yeah. And that's why you go. But you also go with a guy who's gotten probably what? A third the reps of what Casey got. Yeah. yeah. And that's it's tough. Like you it, at any level, especially at the quarterback position. And, you know, it's about valuable reps. And game reps are so important for quarterbacks. Not just – not everybody, but especially quarterbacks because things happen so fast in the game. And it's, it is the toughest position to play in football. Which um, one? Quarterback? quarterback. Absolutely. It's, there's so much that you have to know, that you have to do, that you have to see. Right. You have to be a coach on the field and manage the game, and then you have to make plays, right? And that's not – every kid's not built to do that. So – and then if you're not meant, meant, meant for the system, um, and systems matter, coaching matters. Like uh, when you're recruiting, you're not recruiting just the top kid. You're recruiting the top kid that fits what you do. Um, and so when you get into games, you have to have kids that fit what you do. And if they don't, you're doing them a disservice and you're doing yourself a disservice because it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and you, and you see it with the coaching change of the turnovers and the different philosophies that Nebraska's tried to do. Like – the the offense wasn't working, so they got rid of the staff wholesale and bring in Mark Whipple as the new offensive coordinator in the off season, and clearly successful at Pitt. But it took him three years to build that. Yeah. And when you've got some kids on the staff that came in under one offensive system, and other kids that came in because of this new offensive system, and the, and you only get a finite amount of reps and even spring ball to really build that repertoire and build that relationship. It's tough for it took Casey and Trey time yeah. to build up that now in you know NCAA leading you know receiving yardage clip and everything like that. Now you're throwing in a backup and you're throwing in different receivers and everything. It just I mean that's really asking a lot of these kids to soak in um, you know f- from different backgrounds and where they came in because mm-hmm. it's 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 clearly not the same system that they were promised or thought they would get into when they arrived in Lincoln. Yeah, right. Yeah, we. We, we we touched on it a little bit earlier, and Steve and I have talked about this on the side several times. But um, like, how in this day and age where where football is not the same that with what we all grew up with, like you get to hit one maybe two days in practice. How do you how are how are people like like Bielema and and some other places around like how are they getting this this very tough physical mindset instilled in their team when you don't really get to work on it as much as as much as we all used to i think it's a it's a mindset and a culture that you have to establish um especially when you when you can't get as many reps as you know years past with the new rules and and regulations and contact rules um it has to be an established culture and a mindset that you're preaching on a daily basis. Um, and when you have the opportunity to do it, you have to take full advantage of it. Um, every chance you get to hit or to tackle or to wrap up. Um, and, you know, there's, for us, even like 
when we played, we we did a lot of live contact, and there the rules were a lot more lax than they are now. But a lot of our periods were thud periods, but they were still very physical thud periods. Like well, thud not, can be thud, thud can be pretty physical because thud, thud is everything but taking them to the ground. Thud is everything but taking them to the ground. But it's still full speed, full contact upon contact, and then you're wrapping up. You're still carrying through. You're just not taking them down. And sometimes you fall. It happens. Right. If, you're, if you're playing hard enough, you're playing fast enough, you know, it's just not the low leg contact. You know, everybody's got to hit up top and everybody's got to, you know, run through contact um, on both sides of the ball. And even offensively and defensively, from the line standpoint, there's really no change between thud and full right. go besides you're not cutting. Right. Um, and they've taken cut blocks somewhat out of the game as they should, as a defensive lineman speaking. Like, <laughs> I yeah, I know some. I know some of cut, your, but some of your fellow coaches think differently about that. Sometimes you need to cut. Yeah, Verzal's definitely going to. I was going to say, I heard Verz talk about it the other day. <laughs> Verzal's definitely going to use the knife, but he's he's an offensive lineman, so I get that. But um, as they should. But I mean, it's just really if you're head up, you should be able to cut. I don't like the side angles or the diving at the back of guys' legs or from the side. I don't like that um but i get if you're cutting somebody head up or if you see it coming then that guy's got to get out of the way he's got to be an athlete um but the thud, full contact there's still ways to get through it um but again that's a mindset that's a practice habit right that's saying hey we're thud that doesn't mean you're two-hand touch you know when you're in shells and you're in uh you know sweats then that's when you're just really running to position but anytime you got half pads on you gotta hit I mean that's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, I think Miles Farmer said it um, after I think it was after the Oklahoma game earlier this year when they kind of asked what the difference was, and then maybe the week after when you know Eric Chenander was let go, they asked like what the issue was, and he was he, he didn't really well he held back some punches because he's like I'm, I'm not going to tell you what really needs to go on and what yeah. really needs to happen that was before Chenander got let go, but he was like it takes time we've been you know fake wrapping up and not going to the ground for four, three, four years yeah. now. And I th- I think that, I mean, that clearly makes a purpose when you're on the field. It's, it's different wrapping up a guy who's moving with that momentum and that size than it is, you know, just popping pads. It's, mm-hmm. it's fundamentally a different thing to do. And if you're not finishing a play like that, that's how, that's how teams score on you anymore. Yeah, I'd, earlier in the year, I, I saw it all the way back in Ireland um, from the field level, from my angle, I don't know how many how many missed tackles that I saw in that Ireland game that were just the result of a of a bad pursuit angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like over pursuing. I mean you can see it coming even through even through my little, you know, periscope using using my lens and my field of view is so small. But you can see it coming. I can see as soon as the defensive guy pursues and gets gets even with the guy, I'm like I'm like, oh, he's going to cut back. Oh, there he cut back, and boom, he was gone. Yeah, it's right. Because all I'm like, that's 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 football 101, right? It's inside out leverage when you're pursuing a guy outside. Don't get even with him. Yeah, I think part of it too is just like not having that team tackling mentality, though, too, which I think we've seen. Oh, the um, route, the rally into the ball. Yeah, we've seen more. Recently, it's still got to get way better. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, but that's not something you're going to fix in two weeks' time, right? It's something that has to, again, start in the spring, carry on through the season. Um, it, it can't be just like, hey, the last two weeks, now we're going to run to the ball, right? And then right. 
you know, it's going to take being, everybody being taking, held accountable at practice. Yeah. I see, I've seen the little things too. Like, um, you know, it's it pretty much everybody does it now on kickoff. Everybody runs to the end zone. Yeah. Right. But I've all, now I've noticed the last couple games that they're not just running to the end zone. They're running through the yeah. end zone. Mm-hmm. Right. That little extra, extra. Yeah. And it, I noticed just little things like that, that I go, all right, the, the mentality is changing. Yeah. Right. You, doing enough isn't enough. Yeah. You have to do extra. Yeah. Do your job. Like it's, but you have to do, you have to do the extra cause the other guy's doing the extra. It's, uh, it's, it's been fun to watch. Um, still difficult to watch just because you know how far they are behind. Um, and honestly, the common fan can only see the score and see the, um, the, you know, the, the, the big the, things yeah. that are happening. It, it takes somebody like with a really trained eye to see the little things and to see the good little things, right? Like it's not about just, uh, there's good and bad little things that are happening in every play, right? Um, and so it's, it's, it's seeing, you know, the good things that are happening. And for me, I've seen a lot of more, a lot more positive, good little things than I have seen negative. Um, and I've seen the mindset start to change. And then, you know, I was listening to Mickey the other day talk about physicality. And I don't know the last time we've really heard those words, right? Like, I, can't, about, I honestly can't remember the last time I heard think a about Nebraska heard, coach talk about, talk being, about being, physical. being more physical than the other team. Right. Right. It's We've heard score more. Scheme this. Scheme this. Yeah, but right. we haven't heard just like, let's go beat them up. Right. Right. And at the end of the day, this is football. Mm-hmm. And the most physical team is – always going to win the game um and that's why you've seen back in the day like there's a lot of teams that were really explosive really fast but they would get into i think stanford oregon all the time right you would see stanford's a physical team oregon's right a fast team right and those and they would always get tripped up when they got to stanford right and stanford would just beat them up because that when you can put athletes on the field and match up athletically then you can be more physical you have a better chance of winning that game um, then if you're just trying to go athlete for athlete, you know, they're going to win that game because that's what they're built to do. But if we can go athlete for athlete and be more physical than you, we're going to win. And so that's why um, you see Saban and Ohio State and those guys, they run spread systems, but they're more power spread, right? They're more um, – they're, they're coming downhill at you and they're being very physical. And defensively, they're physical. And I think that's um, one thing. I think that probably happens in practice. And I haven't been to a practice with Mickey and those guys yet, but – um, I've been privileged to go to a few practices in, in years past with, you know, a few different head coaches. And the one thing I noticed that there was a lot of guys always standing around. Um, and these are young kids, right? Like, and so if you're watching practice the majority of the time as a freshman, sophomore, by the time you get to a junior, you've lost so many reps because you just watched, right? Like, I've always been a fan of, you know, multiple stations, multiple things happening throughout practice. And you have so many assistant coaches and GAs that can do certain things on the field, and you have some that can't. But if you're creative enough, you can find ways to get every kid reps. Um, I loved the system when we were there that we had our black shirt defense and we had our twos that were in the yellow. We called them our killer bees. Um, and then you had your scout team offense. and You had two scout team defenses and two first team offenses. Um, but everybody was practicing. There wasn't – I mean, everybody, including the walk-ons. Everybody was getting reps. 
And so that's why you saw when we got into games, like it wasn't a lot of drop off during those times because everybody was prepared. But when you're not preparing each kid the same way, um, when you're preparing your starters different than you're preparing your backups, you're doing a disservice to your team because somebody's going to go down. Um, you're going to somebody's going to make mistakes. Somebody's not going to be ready for the situation. Um, so you got to have somebody behind him mm-hmm. that can at least fill the void. Um, and if you don't have somebody behind him that you've developed, you know you're you're asking your ones to to do it all. And that's why we'd see a lot of times in years past, you know, the ones would play really well, and it's all of a sudden in the game there'd just be such a big drop off. That's because of depth. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a you know it's a it's a it's a game of, of uh, conditioning um, and strength conditioning. And, and if your ones are the only ones that are building that, that tough muscle, um, it's going to be a long, long season and a long four quarters. Yeah, and, like, I, they don't let us really see a whole lot of practice when they do open it up to media. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they had a little bit more activity. And, Steve, maybe you can be a little bit more insightful in what you've seen out of them. But – it was indicative to me when Mickey stepped in and one of the first things he did was say, we have one defensive backs coach right now. Mm-hmm. We're going to separate them and have, you know, corner safeties, nickels yeah. kind of coach differently because that's what the vast majority of schools are doing now. That's what pretty much every NFL team does now. It's commonplace now. Yeah. And it's, it's impossible to ask one coach to overlook all of those different systems. Yeah. I think though that's a big step, obviously, but these are like incremental steps that I think – Mickey and this coaching staff now and what whatever's next for Husker football and the coaching staff are having to pull kind of Nebraska back up to is because they were so successful and the program as a whole had been so successful for so long that I think you and then the previous coaching staff kind of rested on their laurels and knew thought they knew well enough to know this that's not working the game is evolving the game is spreading out the game is doing so much now and even when Mickey calls for physicality, I took that, and maybe you can, maybe you had a different read on it. It wasn't just like eye formation, line up, knock them off. It was a call to every guy, whoever's lined up on you, if you're out wide or if you're a back or mm-hmm. if you're – whatever you do, if you're going to hit somebody, you're going to hit them harder than yeah. they're going to hit you. It was just a call to grit down and get after them. And it just seems like that's – when you're dealing with, like, coaching changes and physicality and all of these, like, incremental things that Nebraska's having to lean up to, it is a work in progress, but these are things that we're seeing now that are – their steps in the right direction or their steps to modernize it, bring it up to where everybody else is at. In addition to just having that football player mentality of physicalness that has traditionally been, you know, the basics of a good football player for three, four decades now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking about the other day, um, and I don't, I don't remember what it was. I don't know. I remember if it was something I heard from Mickey, but it just kind of popped into my brain that, the one thing that I very rarely hear coaches talk about, and I, but I do hear Mickey talk about it, which is a, a low-key, maybe not a low-key, but a reason that I'm really kind of liking Mickey and getting on the Mickey bandwagon a little bit is the, the concept of, of, of remembering that you know we're not just coaching a football team and coaching, coaching to win games, but we're also like we're – like like Tom always talked about, we're building better young men, mm-hmm. right? And and that philosophy of if we build good young men, then getting them to do the right things the right way on the football field is the easy part. 
Yeah. Right. Um, I know the program that my son's in, that's a character and, and all that is a huge thing Mm -hmm. because they realize and always, always are cognizant of the idea that, that we're not just, we're not just coaching and trying to win games. We're trying to build better young men. Cause, Mm -hmm. and cause I think people forget when you look at, you know, like you go to a Nebraska game and the average fan sees these boys come out of the locker room. These, these are mountains of flesh. Yeah. Right. And it's tough to remember that that kid's 18, that kid's 20 and I go, okay, Uh 20 year old, he's a legal adult, but he's still a kid. Yeah. Right. And kids want to be led and they want to be held accountable as much as they're going to, they're going to try and push the boundaries and, and push back against that in the end, they want a leader that they can believe in. They, I, I, I'm a firm believer in that, that they want, they want, they want to follow somebody they can believe in. And I think, you know, I've never heard Mickey's recruiting pitch, but I got to think that he's got a vibe and he always shoots straight with you and you're always going to know where you stand with Mickey. And I think kids love that. Yeah. I think for, for me is watching and I don't, I don't know Mickey well. I've talked to him maybe once, twice. Um, but I can tell you that my one conversation is, is the same as what I feel like I see on TV, right? When, when, when he's talking, like, I feel like that conversation is the same vibe, right? It's not a different, it's not a different speech, right? right. It's not coach Consistent. talk. It's not coach talk versus me and you sitting here talking. Right. Right. And that's huge. Like we deal with kids every day. Um, and kids are very smart on picking up on when somebody's trying to sell them or when somebody's trying to be real with them. Right. Um, and you can't fake it all the time. Um, and so I don't feel like he's faking it. I feel like that what you're getting with him is who he is, and I, and I think that wins um, because you have to be real with the situation because when you're real, you're able to tell the truth. And when you're able to tell the truth, um, kids can respond to that, right? Because um, talked about this the other day on, on a different um, platform I was on was, you know, telling hard truths. And um, if you're not a player that uh, – can respond to the truth or whether it's good or bad, the, 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 what you're right. getting, um, if you can't receive it and take it and process it and for what it is, um, it's, it's difficult to, to grow as a player or as a person, right? Like even professionally, I've had to be told some hard truths, right? About how to conduct myself or how to do something in a professional set. And if I can't take those, um, that advice and use it and process it. Um, and, and I can't grow from it. Um, whether it's the way I felt was the truth or not, right? Like whether I felt that way or not, but if I know that person cares about me mm-hmm. and I know that person is genuine, I'm a lot more, I'm a lot more, I'm probably going to take that, you know, that, that advice a little bit better or think about it a little bit more if I know they're real, yeah, right? Man. If I think you're, fake right i'm gonna okay i can't trust this guy yeah and the kids just do they want to be the best football players that they can be and if that means that they're going to be coached or have a guy that's willing to coach them like that that's they're all for it and i can tell you and not to name names because i won't because don't have their permission and everything but i can tell you there's a lot of kids and coaches in in state even where mickey went up to him and said hey 
we we did you wrong on recruiting before. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do it right. We're going to we're going to correct the record right now. Yeah. And if he's willing to do that with them, same thing that he tells us uh, at post game press conferences and then yeah. on Tuesdays was we got really we watched film and we were honest with ourselves and we evaluated ourselves. So he's going to be honest with them at the high school level. He's honest with them when they're on the team. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's a reason why only one guy decided to enter the transfer portal in the month that players had free reign to transfer out when Mickey Joseph took over as head coach. It says a lot. It does say a lot. I think there's a lot, a lot to the. Um, I always try and put myself in the in the in the position of the kids, like you know, um, and we you know we've all heard everybody just loves Mickey, and when he stands up there in front of the media and says, "Hey, it's on me," yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Me, if I was in that position me as a player would go oh no coach we can't let you have that yeah, yeah. right right we it's on all of us, it's on all of us. Mm-hmm. but your coach is going to stand up there as a leader because that's what leaders do and they say hey that's on me i didn't get him ready right yeah. but your players are going to are not going to let you do that you know in the privacy of the locker room and on the field they're going to go oh we can't let coach take all this yeah he yeah. wasn't on the field we were the ones right yeah and and it's all those little things that I that are more and more getting me on the on the Mickey bandwagon. And that's a winning culture, right? If and he can't be. It's on me to the media, and then go back to the to the players and be like, "It's on you, yeah. right? <laughs> you can't do that, right? Because the players are watching, right? Like, is they're gonna be like, what What happened to it was us, right? What happened to it was it was. It and was, I don't think for a second that's what he does, and, but yeah. I think for and we're seeing that. I, I think for yeah. a hundred seconds that past coaches have done that exact thing. Yeah, well, that past that. coaches have gotten up in front of the media and said, and just fucking thrown everybody under the bus left and right. Yeah, and, and it's and that doesn't that doesn't do well for that's that doesn't do well for anybody. Like you know, it's 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 one thing to to throw somebody under the bus, but to continually do it. Um, doesn't help you, and it doesn't help your doesn't help your players. They don't want to play for you, and your coaches don't want to coach for you. So that's a difference, right? If you got everybody in the room disgruntled, you know what? How are you going to win like that? You know, like how are you going to mend those relationships when you've broken trust? And trust is, you know, <laughs> a very valuable commodity, right? Yeah. Like it's right. trust. Trust is a very you, it's hard to it's hard to get trust. And particularly from athletes, right? Because there's been so many times that they've had in their lives not to trust people, right? Because either they've wanted to take advantage of them because of who they are or they've lied to them because they wanted something out of them or they mistreated them um, some other way. There's, it's, it's, athletes have very hard times trusting, right? Yeah. Because of the environment they, that they live in. Um, so when you, break a, when you break the trust of an 18, 19-year-old kid that, you know, was looking up to you and wanting you to lead him. And then you hear, oh, man, he just hung me out to dry. Like this guy doesn't care about me. Right. So I, and that, and that makes, that makes a huge difference in winning. It really does. And it's, it's something that seems like common sense or it should be common sense. But you know, my mom told me a long time ago, common sense ain't common. So uh, it's a learning experience. Yeah. And, and you saw it when Oklahoma, when Mickey stood up there and said, it's on me very first thing he said was it's on me and we asked every single player that came up after him and they like shook it off they're like no he told us that we we weren't accepting it because it's on the 11 guys that's on the field at a given time i mean 
they had clearly heard that they had Mickey had clearly conveyed it. It's on me. I didn't get you enough. Even against Illinois, when Chuba and Logan come in, he says it's on me. I need to get them better reps in practice. I need I need to get them better prepared for that situation. Mm. And you know, yeah, if you're a football player, when you're in that scenario, you want to be that ball player that makes a play that sparks something. But as a coach, it's your job to get them ready in the week leading up to it, yeah. and it's the player's responsibility to respond to that and get the best and make the most out of those opportunities. So for a coach just to stand there and say, I didn't do my best, or maybe it's something that's on me. Maybe I need to be as close to – you're not going to get perfect, but as close to perfect, better. Just incremental progress. It just I – mean, we've all seen it in the little things that we do in, in our jobs and walks of life. Mm-hmm. If you've got a – someone you're willing to trust you're willing to go a little bit further for them or you're willing to just you know carry their banner or be more accommodating to them or and it just makes you feel better in general like that that is tenfold with a football team if you want to preach accountability to your you have to model it yes and that's that's the first thing that i see is if 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 you want to if you want to preach accountability to your players um then you have to model that Mm -hmm. right and 100%. There's 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 no better way to do it than than more or at least visible way than and I have no reason to think he doesn't do that on a daily basis. I mean, we've all heard the story about um, you know, Casey getting taken out of the game and the meeting they had the next week and I have no doubt that that uh that uh Mickey was 100% straight with him. Yeah. And yeah. said, "Listen, I I I don't want to take you out either. Don't make me." Yeah, you know, <laughs> don't put me in that position. Don't yeah. put me in the position to think maybe you need to see it from the sideline for five seconds, right? Yeah, and 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 feel that feeling of being taken out of a game, and you know what I mean. No, you can lose your spot. Yeah, at the, at the end of the day, if you want players to perform at the highest level, they need to know that they can lose their job. Yeah, right. They need to know that that your job is safe until it's not. Right. Until until it's not like your job is safe until it's not. But it's not. It's only not when you're not doing your job. Right. And so if players know that if I don't do my job, somebody else is coming in. And if the guy behind me has been prepared and he comes in and does his job and I haven't been doing my job, that guy's taking my job. Um, And so what does that do for your team, though? Right. It makes everybody more competitive. It holds everybody a little bit more accountable to studying and lifting and training. Well, I've and heard doing the right things in the classroom. I have, I've I'm heard all the job, stories about how competitive you guys were. Oh man! And like not just on the field, but like at everything. If you guys went bowling, oh, it was competitive. If you guys were playing four miniature square. golf or foursquare or, or checkers. Yeah, it was competitive. Walking and it was, through the door. There was, tra- you know, it, it, it was trash talk at the bowling alley kind of oh, stuff, man. right? It was, I mean, not just, I, I, but I think that's who we were. Um, and for me, I, I, when I get around kids, that's the one thing I try to gauge. Like, even in my son and his friend group, it's like, how competitive are they, right? Like, I've, We've had this conversation how, about how my com- kid the same way. How competitive are they? And um, because you've got to be a competitor, right? Like if you're going to make it to the top level, like you have to compete, right? And competition has been something that we've heard at all the stories about how school is taking competition out and how soft kids are. That's our fault, right? We still parents. We're still, Mm -hmm. we're still mentors. We're still coaches. We still have opportunities to put, to put kids in competitive situations and to preach competition. Um, Just because a system may not like it fully for everybody, 
doesn't mean that the kids that you're mentoring don't need that message, right? So I, I, I always wonder, like, too, how competitive these guys are just because these kids are different because of the way they've been raised um, and, and the, the lack of competition in certain situations in life. Um, isn't the same, but naturally, you, to me, you got to be a natural competitor, though. Yeah. So yeah. that 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 was that was something that that was the, a dovetail to the to the toughness thing, right? Yeah. Competitor, because some people are just wired that way. Yeah, they're just they're just I am. wired more competitively. I was too. Like I hate I losing. Mean, I'm a terrible I loser. To, <laughs> I'm, Horrible I, loser. I've white and I and and my boys have we've we've had that conversation several times. I I told them I went to a high school here in Omaha where if we won three games, it was a good year. And I was still, I never got used to losing. And that's a big thing. That was a thing that I saw during, um, oh, the Riley era. Um, like, and that's when I knew the program was like in really like devastatingly deep trouble. Mm-hmm. When I would see guys walking off the field after just getting their hat handed to them by Wisconsin, joking and laughing. Yeah, that's and I I remember you know standing there down there by the tunnel and watching a couple guys I won't name any names and I'm not taking pictures of the guys as they walk by and I see these three guys who were in the game not just like freshmen yeah. right who never who they dirty uniforms and sweaty they're low ja- joking and laughing and I remember I remember like putting my camera down and just thinking what the are you kidding me? <laughs> How can you be okay? Yeah. How can you be okay with it? I mean, like I said, I went to high school. We lost six, seven games a year, and I was miserable. Ask my high school girlfriend. I was miserable to be around for the rest of the weekend. Oh, Until yeah. I could get back on the field, I was just miserable to be around because I never, I never got you. I hated losing more than I, I liked winning. winning, and that's yeah. what I preached to, preached to my boy all the time is when you get to the point that you hate losing more than you like winning, that's when you, you're getting into the groove. When you start to enjoy the process as much mm-hmm. or more than the game, right? Yeah. Then you know, you're getting into the right groove. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I went from, I grew up in a small town in South central Nebraska. We played eight man ball, but we had a football program. You know, my older, my oldest brother played football. Watch him play in the state championship. I wanted that too. We always, we always made the state playoffs every single year. Some years that came with five wins. Some years that came with eight. And it was like that was just the expectation. And you didn't want to be the one responsible for the downturn. So when I got in there, it was like, we're, you know, I've got to face my family. I got to face my cousins. I got to face my brothers and everybody. I got to make sure I deliver this year. And of course, you know, we get back up there and my freshman year was a little bit of a downer, only went five games, but junior, senior year, we're right there, state championship hunt. And it's like, yeah, we're, you don't want to be that guy. And, and like you said, when you didn't win, at that level, at that with that expectation, you didn't win those games. That was awful, and that was the most hurt I had ever been. That hurt more than the hits. Was just we didn't win as a team, and that made me sick. And I wanted to make sure it never happened again. Right. I, I was a part of the '98 team that that won, lost three or four games, right? And um, so, which is first year after Coach Osborne retired. Um, and I can truly say that we didn't really. There was a lot that went on, right, with with Coach Osborne 
leaving, winning a national championship and coming down from that. Um, but I can honestly say that I don't felt like – I know me personally, I can't talk for everybody, I know I didn't prepare to win that next year, right? I know I didn't, I know I didn't fully invest um, because there was a little bit of, hey, we made it. I'm a sophomore starting on a national championship team and playing valuable minutes. There was a little bit of relaxation there, right? Um, and so winning can also breed bad habits, right? And I think that we bought into those bad habits that year. Um, and, it, and it came back to bite us, right? Like when we needed to be healthy, we weren't healthy. When we needed to make plays, we weren't able to do it in every game. Um, and so it came back to, to bite us. And I can remember being on the bus um, after the last regular season game and thinking, and most of us thinking like, we didn't even really want to go to the bowl game. Yeah. And it was the holiday bowl. And we ended up losing that bowl game. But there was a lot of us that didn't really even felt like we deserved to go to a bowl game or to play in it. And a lot of that, too, was relationships on the team. I felt like that wasn't a very close-knit team either. Um, there was a lot of divide, right, on that team. And it showed up. Um, and then 99, we came back. But everybody, um, the seniors there, we were a very close group. Um, and I felt like that helped because everybody was accountable to each other. And when you're on a team and you're not um, accountable to the guys next to you, to your left and the right, it shows up in hard times, right? And I feel like that, too, has been something we haven't seen and we're still not seeing, but it's something that has to be built um, in relationships, coaching, all that matters, and that accountability and that trust, those all, it's like one big pot of gumbo right it all gets thrown in there and when you serve up the dish it, it tastes amazing right mm -hmm. um but right now you know there's some spices and some some ingredients that don't quite mix um and that accountability to each other i think is a part of it um i think that building trust is is a part of it um and then those competitive reps and being prepared is a part of it and you're talking about four pieces right there that Right. Right. Like you, you just think about those four things and then you say, OK, now go win games. And those things are all fractured. How do you win games? Yeah. Right. Like you can win some games. You're not going to win a lot. You can win some. You can pull out some. But you, those close games, you're not going to pull out. Right. And what have we seen? Which, last last, which is all last year. Yeah. Close yeah. games. Right. When when things get tough, you either pull apart or you pull together. Yeah. Right. And there's there's only two ways to go. It's either things get tough and you're together as a team or you're apart. And first one score game or first close game that Mickey's a part of immediately. And then they face it the next week down on the road. Yeah. Able to pull it out. I mean, it's just and even even Purdue, you know, that was a one score game that they didn't win. But Purdue's a fringe top 25 team mm -hmm. in its own stadium. And it they have to go for it at midfield on fourth and four because and coach coach Baum, I, I respect him a lot said afterwards I didn't think we would go, we would win that game if we gave the ball back to Nebraska mm. so we had to go for it that that's the difference I mean yeah. if you're making a fringe top 25 team sweat at home yeah. and have to go for it on fourth down when they're winning I mean we joke about kicking an onside kick in the opener against Northwestern when you're up by how many this is at home, right? This is they're up and they still have their back on the ropes. That's that's the difference with all that and all those components working together. And I, I think even like I've been preaching this on my Twitter account is 
the difference I see is these guys not giving up, right? They're fighting, right? They're not giving up. They're not making all the plays they should be making, and there's still mistakes, and um, there's still guys that some at some points aren't playing very hard. Um, but that's not on Mickey, right? That's not on him. That it, 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 He's going to take responsibility for that, but that's not – Something again that's built in a month. You can't build that in a month. Like yeah. you can't change those character habits in a month. Yeah. Like those character habits of not doing what you're supposed to do all the time are not something you can turn on and off. Right? That's not something. That's something that you have to work on. Like, and I was telling my son the other day, and then we we talked about this. I was like, if you know there's something that you struggle doing. You have to work harder at that, right? Like if you know you hate waking up in the morning, mm-hmm. right? You have to you have to make that a point of emphasis of I've got to set myself a routine that I need to get up in the morning and go and get going because I know I'm not good at waking up in the morning, right? Like yeah. that's something you have to work on. Everybody's not built that way. Like some people like to sleep, right? <laughs> some people don't like to get up. It's Everybody's not built that way, but that's something character-wise that you can work on and develop, and it goes the same in football, right? If you know that you're not good at a certain technique or some you struggle with a play or you can't learn something that you're you're working with, then what are you doing to make sure that you're you're, you're fixing that? And that's not yeah. something you can you can do in a week or a month. That that takes time, like a lot of time to like change a bad habit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, I mean, White and I are getting ready to have the 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 conversation of like. To make the map up the plan for this this mm-hmm. this off season, right? It's going to include wrestling and lacrosse in the spring and all kinds of stuff. But you know, like like I need you to be honest and and how bad do you want it? And then we'll work backwards from there. Mm-hmm. What's your goal? Yeah, for yeah. next year, and then we'll work backwards from there because you know this is what I see you need to work on, and you know this is what Steve sees you need to work on, and you know there's going to be it's going to be kind of a I think it's going to be his first double down year. Yeah. Like if you want it bad enough, just doing the minimum won't be enough. No. Yeah. This will be, I got du- to, you got to, you got to double down every year when you think, um, who was it? Oh, it was, it was, uh, Charlie. I was listening to Charlie McBride talk, um, about how, um, he always used to talk to you guys about how, um, do you think you've played hard? Oh, you haven't even played yeah. nearly as hard as you as you can. Yeah, you think you've played hard, but you haven't yet, right? And that's why I always tell I tell my boy is, listen, if your legs are still moving, you still got something in the tank. Yeah, right. As long as you as long as you can get up off the ground and everything's still moving, you still got something left in the tank. I I said I just always tell him, and this was mostly during wrestling season last year. I was like. I promise you, when your body's done, it will tell you it'll just quit. Yeah. But until your body quits, it's your mind that's in the it's in the way, not your body. Absolutely, it's definitely we in the beginning of the segment mindset. Yeah, yeah. At one of the best when I was out in Wyoming a little bit, the best cross country runner this this state had ever seen in high school. She's running at Arkansas now, most dedicated, you know, most decorated cross country track and field program. And I was like, who would know that this small, like five foot four young woman would epitomize it? She just said, you know, the mind will quit earlier than your body will. So you just got to go out there and run hard. And whenever the mind tells you to stop, 
you just put one foot forward and just keep going. And then you basically just open up a door to possibilities until your body just shuts down. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the kind of toughness. That's the, you see a mental block, you can get through it. You're stronger than you think you are. Just push through it. And then you can open up windows of possibilities to improvement. Sure. Good. That sounds like a really good place to wrap that up. Way to, way to circle that back around, Rady. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, um, All right. All right. Well, thanks for coming in, Steve. Thanks for having me. That was yeah. a great, great segment. Hoda Media Production.